بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ چنائی از دا تھرٹیتھ آف ایپرل ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu And I've reached the point where I've mentioned that upon his return to Makkah from Abyssinia, he gave the salam to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam during salah. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not respond back to the salah. And he went on to explain that something has been revealed. And then I mentioned that the verse in this regard was revealed in Al-Madinah And the scholars give the reason for this. So this leads on to another question. Should one acknowledge the salah if one is in salah? So there's a difference. So obviously we can't return the salah. The blessed scholars, Rahimahumullah, are agreed it is forbidden to return the salam during salah verbally. However, can one acknowledge it by a gesture of the hand? It is here that the scholars have differed. The Shafi'is and Hanbali's, Rahibahumullah, they state that one should acknowledge the salam with the palm of one's hand facing downwards. The following are a few of the proofs they use. In Sayyid Muslim, number 839, Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah radiyallahu mahirilets. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent me on an errand. And when I returned, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was offering salah. I gave him salam. And he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in turn gestured with his hand in reply. So here's one authentic report. So when the Prophet was given the salam during salah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he gestured, he acknowledged it in salah with his hand. A second report. In Abu Dawood, number 806, Ahmad in his Musnad, number 11,958, and Shaykh al-Bani, rahmatullahi, authenticates it in Sahih Sunan Abi Dawood, number 832. Sayyidina Anas, radiyallahu, he said, The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, used to make a gesture whilst offering salah, i.e. if somebody gave him the salah. So Anas, In the authentic hadith, he also testified to this. And similarly, a third report, in Nasai, number 1173, Abu Dawood, number 790, Tirmadhi, number 335, Ahmad in his Musnad, number 18168, and Shaykh al-Bani, rahmatullahi, authenticates it in Sahih Sunan Abi Dawood, number 838. Sayyidina Suhaib, radiyallahu, he said, I once passed by Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whilst he was offering salah, and I greeted him with salah, he pointed in reply. One of the narrators of the hadith explained, as far as I know, the Prophet Wasallam's reply was by making a gesture with his finger. So here in this authentic report, he used the finger to return the, acknowledge the salah. And similarly in the fourth report, in Nasai number 1174, Abu Dawood number 792, Dirmadhi number 336, Sahih 
Ibn Majid number 1007, Ahmad in his Musnad number 22761. Shaykh al-Bani authenticates it in Sahih Sunan Abi Dawood number 820. Abdullah ibn Umar said, I asked Bilal radiyallahu, did you see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam answering their greeting when they greeted him whilst he was offering salah? Bilal radiyallahu said, yes, like this. Ja'afar ibn Ya'un clarified rahmatullahi by opening his palm and then face its inside downward and its back upward. So he did this, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the Shafi'is and the Hanbalis, Rahimahumullah, they use these as a proof that you do acknowledge the Salam by just putting your hand as a gesture. The Hanafis, Rahimahumullah, they disagree. And they state that one should not acknowledge the Salam even with a gesture. For in the flawless report in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1199, 1,278,335,000,837,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,
the authentic hadith collected from the Prophet state, he used to make gestures in the salah. Anas, Jabr and other companions relate these hadith. Shaykh al-Bani stated Da'if in his Da'if Sunan Abi Dawood number 200. So even though there is a hadith in Abu Dawood Sunan which the Prophet prohibited even making a gesture, the hadith is weak according to many of the hadith masters. However, Abu Dawood authenticates it. So there's a difference of opinion. So putting it simply, the Shafi'is and the Hanbalis, Rahimahumullah, they state that you acknowledge the Salam by lowering your palm downwards. The Hanafi state, don't do anything because your prayer might terminate by that. So whatever the case, there is some leniency here. And if a person wants to go either way, I don't think there's any harm in Shah. But I wanted to mention that here. Another question, what if a person sneezes? So you sneeze in Salah. Can you say Alhamdulillah? So again, the scholars have differed. Some scholars said yes, because Alhamdulillah is a part of Salah. The zikr is not something alien to Salah. Other ulama said no. Because, because you are acknowledging something outside of Salat. So obviously, at a precaution, say in your heart. So if you sneeze, just say in your heart. There is a report mentioning somebody sneezed. And then another person actually responded to the sneeze. He said, Ya Allah, he made a long du'a. And then the Prophet called him over, sallallahu alayhi wa And then he told him very politely that in Salah you are more preoccupied. <laughs> so you don't start saying, Ya Rahmakallah, Yuslihu Baalukum, and the person sneezes. So all of this is part of the application of the holy verse. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? In Surah 2, verse 238, Wa lillahi And stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala devoutly. So this is a command in the Quran. Stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala devoutly. So not all of that is application of this. And I wanted to mention a few of the proofs. The reason being, people for some reason think that the Imam sometimes have no proof. <laughs> and if you think that, then you're going against the hadith of the Prophet The Prophet said, having a good assumption is excellent worship. <laughs> so you should always think good of your Muslim brothers. And these are just normal Muslim brothers. But what about the Imams? What a bad assumption to think that they don't know hadith. Astaghfirullah. But of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So moving back to his blessed life. His migration to Al-Madinah and blessed pairing. It was the fateful 13th year of the prophethood. Life in Makkah was now intolerable. Our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was now finally given the divine permission to migrate to the fertile land of Al-Madinah, which Sayyidina Mus'ab had prepared so brilliantly. So simply put, if Islam didn't miraculously get to Al-Madinah, there was a process. And it was to do with the pledges of Aqaba. So people came, they went back six from the Khazraj, they embraced Islam, they spread Islam in Al-Madinah, they came back for a first pledge, they went back and Islam, Islam started spreading. And the Prophet also sent Sallallahu one of his famous early companions, Mus'ab ibn Umar, who was very handsome and very knowledgeable. And because of him, Islam spread rapidly. So Islam is now spreading rapidly in Al-Madinah. Rasulullah has given permission to migrate, Sallallahu However, he was amongst the very last to migrate. 
he gave permission first to his noble companions. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, indeed all the magnificent companions, did not want to leave our beloved Messenger in such a dangerous environment. Thus they requested to him to leave first. But he simply replied, I am awaiting my Lord's command. I, but you must now leave. Thus the noble companions began to migrate. So now, what's the significance of this? So, if you look at the narrative of Yunus, Yunus he was sent to a city in Iraq called Nineveh. And his people rejected the call. He then was informed that the punishment is coming. He left. He left even though Allah Ta'ala had not given him the command. All he told him was the punishment is coming. So Yunus he did the less of the better actions. These are the slips of the Prophets. They don't commit sin. They protect. But their slip is they fall into the lesser of the correct categories. So he left without permission. And because of that, he was put into the predicament of ending up in the belly of a fish at the bottom of the, of the seabed. So this is why the Prophet said in Sayyid Bukhari, whoever says that I am better than Yunus ibn Mat'a, he has lied. So why did he say that? Because if you look at the narrative of Yunus without commentary, you would think he's, you know, he's made a, a major blunder. The Prophet goes, don't say I'm better than him. So here the Prophet the best, the chief of the Prophet he's not going to leave. Allah Ta'ala told him, but he goes, you can leave, I have to wait. And how do we know that the command came? Because there's a very famous hadith. The hadith is in Hakim, it is Mustadrak Sahih, Ibn Hajar Askalani, state Sahih in Fat al-Bari. Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu said, Ya Rasulullah, the Prophet told Abu Bakr, I've been allowed to migrate. Abu Bakr then said, what about myself, Ya Rasulullah? The Prophet said, and you have also been appointed. And Abu Bakr then started to weep. And Aisha radiallahu said, I never saw anybody weep out of joy. This was the first time. Now, what does that mean? Rasulullah was waiting. Finally, the command came, but what was also in the divine command? Who was told to go with him? Abu Bakr. So Abu Bakr didn't just tag along like some of the crackpots make you believe. He was just there. You know, he was, you know, conveniently, any sahabu would have gone with him. Absolute bakwas. Allah Ta'ala appointed him. And that's why Abu Bakr wept. He goes, Allah Ta'ala has appointed me to go with you. And what was amazing in Sayyid Bukhari, Abu Bakr had already fattened some camels four months earlier. So he was actually premeditating this. He was thinking, I'm just going to get ready because I know the Prophet is probably going to intend to migrate. And who knows, maybe I'll go. And he had the camels ready. And then the, he gave it to the Prophet And the Prophet said, no, not as a gift. Why? Because it's hijrah. And the Prophet didn't want Abu Bakr to get all the rewards. He goes, buy, send me the camel. So he sold the camel and then they were appointed. And this is why the Prophet famously said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the hadith is in Tirmidhi, Hassan Sahih, Gharib, Mishkat. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Oh Abu Bakr, you were my companion in the cave and you will be my companion at the Hawd. So now, what is being mentioned in this authentic report? Again, fruitcakes. You say, 
who was the one in the cave with the Prophet and then the fruit cakes, they start saying, what's the big deal? Anybody could have been with him in the cave. Why are you making it into a big deal? If it wasn't a big deal, why did the Prophet say these words? You were my companion in the cave. It's not a big deal, brother. Why did the Prophet say it? And you'll be my companion at the whole meaning. You, this is divine appointment. You're with me at the most critical moments in my life. Allah Ta'ala was giving him honor. So here, what did he say to the Sahab? I am waiting for my Lord's command, meaning I'm not going. And Abu Bakr obviously held back as well, radiyallahu. Those, the companions, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum, began to migrate. The believers migrated to the city known as Yathrib, which was later renamed Madinat al-Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa or Al-Madina, where they now finally found refuge and strength. Now what's interesting, Yathrib, the root word, if you look at the uh, etymology, it means ruined. <laughs> so what's interesting, before Rasulullah went there, what was the name of the city? <laughs> ruined. Like, you know, like uh, Kharab. We say Kharab. <laughs> That's why that name changed. Allah Ta'ala was leaving it for the Prophet Then it was called the city. <laughs> so look how strange. You know, when you think of Al-Madina, in Arabic, it actually means city. <laughs> so if somebody goes, where are you from, brother? We say Sheffield. Where are you from, brother? He goes, Doncaster. Which one say, I'm from the city? He goes, which city? I'm from the city. So in English, you think, what are you talking about? That's the name of Al-Madina. It's actually called the city. So that's an honor given to it by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In one hadith in Bukhari, in his tarikh al-Kabir, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, whoever says Yathrib, let him seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can never use that name now. And it's also mentioned once by Yathrib in the Quran. In Surah Ahzab, the Munafiks, the hypocrites, they said, let us return to Yathrib. It's in Surah Ahzab. Why did they say that? It was the battle of the trench. And they wanted to go back to the old system. So Allah Ta'ala only quotes it as Yathrib from the most foulest mouths, the Munafiks. So again, this is why we say Al-Madin. Upon arrival in the holy city, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had now entered the 30th year of his blessed life. So like I mentioned, he was 16 to 17 when he embraced Islam. 13 years late, he's around 30 years old. Shortly after settling, our beloved Messenger decided to pair up an Ansar, a resident of Al-Madina, with a Muhajir a Makkan Muslim who had left everything and migrated to Al-Madinah. This was primarily to settle the Muhajirun in the new land with their Ansari brothers and sisters and help them get back on their feet. However, there were a few honorable exceptions in which the pairing did, did take place, but only amongst the Muhajirun themselves. So this is strange. So obviously, if you have a mass migration, a mass influx of people to a city, it's going to put a strain. So the Prophet brilliantly sorted this problem by pairing up the Muhajirun and the Ansar. And what's amazing is the pairing became so strong that they were even going to inherit. The Prophet, there's one famous incident in Sayyid Bukhari, where Sa'ad ibn Labi, he said, I've got two wives to Abdul Rahman ibn Awf. I'll divorce one, you will marry whichever one you, you know, you prefer. Here's my wealth, take half of it. So Abdul Rahman ibn Awf said embarrassingly, just show me. 
Because may Allah bless you, just show me the marketplace. Now think about that. What sort of love is this? Has he ever seen Abdul Rahman ibn Yawf? The Prophet gave a command, look how they're executing it. Which one of us would say, I'll divorce one of my wives? Imagine the wives hearing that. Hang in a minute, do we get a say in this? But Abdul Rahman ibn Yawf could show me the marketplace. So this was the normal procedure. A, a muhajir with the ansar. But some were paired up amongst themselves. This is recorded by Shaykh al-Bani, rahmatullahi He states, Sahih, it is Sahih, Al-Adabul Mufrad, number 568, Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, volume 3, page 115 of the English translation, and the chapter on the companions of Badr. Anas, radiyallahu, and Ibrahim, Ibn al-Harith, al-Taymi, rahmatullahi they both relate. Akhan Nabiyyu, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, bayn abni mas'udin wa zubair. The Prophet formed a pact of brotherhood between Ibn Mas'ud and Zubair. <laughs> so let's look at this. So is this authentic? Yes. It's a Sahih Hadith in Bukhari's Al-Dabal Mufra. What did Anas, I'm one of the senior Tabi'in, say? Rasulullah paired up two Muhajirun. Bainabni Mas'udin was Zubair. Ibn Mas'ud and Zubair. Why? How is that benefiting the Muhajir? They've both migrated. The scholars, they say, maybe, maybe our beloved Messenger had paired these two elite souls due to the fact that they had both returned early after their migration to Abyssinia. And in addition, Rasulullah had named Zubair as his special disciple. This is in Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim. Thus, subhanallah, the special servant of Rasulullah, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, as will be discussed soon, inshallah, and the special disciple were united in brotherhood. Subhanallah. So there's great wisdom in why the Prophet was doing this. He was actually saying to these noble souls, you don't need support. So he said to Ibn Masood and Zubair, you don't need support. But why did he pair them up? They're both amongst the earliest companions of the Prophet They both were very similar. They're both early migration to uh, Abyssinia. They both came back. Rasulullah famously said, and when did he call him the special disciple? In Sayyid, Bukhari and Muslim. It was a battle of the trench. And the Prophet wanted to know what the treacherous Banu Quraiza were up to inside Al-Madinah, the tribe inside and Zubair said, I'm ready, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet said, every Prophet has a special disciple, Hawadi. And my special disciple is Zubair, meaning he's very close to me. And the Prophet actually combined his mother and father for him as well. He was the cousin of the Prophet He was also the nephew of Khadija. He was even more closely related to the Prophet than Ali. Ibn Mas'ud migrated to Abyssinia, came back, he was the special servant of Rasulullah, which I'll mention when I get, we get to it, inshallah. So there you got the link. The special disciple and the special servant were united by Rasulullah. Subhanallah. And also note another feather in the cap of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. His brother was actually a muhajir, i.e. the great Sayyidina Zubair. So all I mentioned today, was basically clarifying upon the question, can one acknowledge the salam? You can't return the salam. Everybody agrees to that. 
But acknowledge means by a gesture or a signal. And I mentioned the difference of opinion, why the scholars have differed here. And then I mentioned the migration to the holy city of al Madinah and the pair. And some of the relevant details there was mentioned in the authentic reports. Are there any questions you'd like to ask?